Today on First Lady and Friends, I had a great friend, Mike Moon. He's the Associate Director at USERV Utah. We had a great conversation about volunteerism, about how important it is, how uh, organizations do things differently, how important it is to train, all the things that we got into today. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. We are here, a new episode, talking to a good friend of mine, Mike Moon, Associate Director at USERV Utah. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much, First Lady Cox. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited you're here, Mike. We've we've gotten to know each other the last little while, a um, few years, just through uh, the First Lady Initiative, through... Um, show up. All of a sudden, I forgot its name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, like, uh, but yeah, you've been instrumental and USERF's been instrumental in the stuff we've been doing uh, around service. And so we want to talk about that. But before we do that, we want to get into just you. Let's talk about who you are. Um, where did you grow up? Um, what did you, you know, where, tell me a little bit about your family and your background. Sounds great. Happy to share. I grew up in a modest home in Kearns, Utah, um, family of five children. I'm the oldest of five. And um, yeah, I went to school at Bacchus Elementary, Jefferson Junior High, mm-hmm. Kearns High School. I uh, studied at Southern Utah University with both my undergraduate work as well as my graduate work and have lived in Utah all of my life and love it. Mm, I love that. That's so fun. So you're the oldest. Are you like the type A personality, the red personality? The I am very much the type A personality, <laughs> <laughs> right? The person on vacations that says, okay, what's next? And this is the itinerary planned yeah. and this is the backup. <laughs> yeah. Does it, drive your, does it drive your family crazy or are they like thrilled with that? I think they're thrilled with it because yeah. none of them have that quality, right? Yeah. They're glad someone else can take it on. So, yeah. yeah, there's this there's this like TikTok video or reel that I saw um, and that I send to everyone because now that we're um, we travel and it's you know we have people with us that travel with us. I mean, Spencer's been like totally the like you. He's like the OCD travel guy. He's like our, and then now it's just like we kind of follow people where we go and then we just kind of end up where we are. And <laughs> it's like, there's this video this, where like, I, and maybe you've seen it where the little kid is just be bopping around and then the, like the parents like with all the stuff. And that's like what we feel like sometimes we're just like, whatever, we're just here. <laughs> that's great. No, that's got to feel good too, to just follow people around. Right. And not yeah. be in charge sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Can you do that? Is that like a thing you can do? Or it's is difficult, it like, but yeah. yeah, I have to really prepare my mind to say, this is going to be more loosey-goosey, right? Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. to get in that mindset. Get in first. the mindset. Exactly. Like, <laughs> do you find like when you go, I, I with Spencer like too, because he's the oldest and he always, and I'm number five of 10, so it's just like whatevs. Mm-hmm. But like he, I, it's, he's better now, but like in the, like when we were first married, it was like, get back with his family and like they'd all drive him crazy because he like had to have everybody you know be worried about and I'm like honey why are you worried this is not your job to worry about this and he was worrying about everything in the family and I'm like relax what people are thinking if they're having a good time right those are all worries that I carry on my shoulders too okay okay so it's a like an oldest child I relate for sure yeah yep 
Very cool. So tell me about your kid. You have kiddos and yeah, you got we've married. Yeah, we've got two children. Also got married here in Utah, um, met at Southern Utah University. Uh, we have one that just started junior high, so that's mm-hmm. big for us, right? Uh, he's at Shoreline Junior High. We're in, like, your parents. Um, we're in Davis County right now. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and then we've got one in second grade, so they've got an age okay. gap. Okay. Oh, but, that's yeah. fun, though, because those it's are nice two very different stages. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are different stages, but it's nice that they're back, and there's routine again in our family, right? And that feels good. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think there's a lot of us that kind of do this thing, you know, as parents where it's like, yay, school's out because I'm tired of putting lunches together and I'm tired of, you know, all the things that it entails and the end of school stuff that's crazy and all the concerts and the this and the that. And then I don't know if you're like me, I get to summer and I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually ready for some structure. Right. Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been, it's been too loose for so long. Let's get back to structure. We feel the same way and feel the same things in our household. Yeah. Um, interesting story though about our oldest child. Um, part of me getting into the career that I'm in now was work in higher education mm-hmm. in campuses. I worked at Southern Utah University. I followed my way up I-15, Utah Valley University, and then most recently we were State University. And my role at those institutions was to help students recognize how to volunteer and mm-hmm. serve in their mm-hmm. communities. And during breaks from school, We would take groups of students to other communities. It's called alternative breaks, right? Mm -hmm. So during summer break, fall break, spring break, winter break, we would take groups of students to other communities to kind of ignite the fire for them Mm -hmm. in volunteerism. So I got to do 37 of those trips during my higher education career Mm -hmm. all over the world and learned so much about volunteerism, and it really kind of cemented Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. But for Cooper, when he was born – he was born, and uh, he's adopted, mm. and we got to be in the room. It was this magical moment with the birth mom, um, but four hours after his birth, I had to jump on an airplane and travel oh, with UVU students to Fiji oh, <laughs> for wow. some community engagement work, so yeah, I missed the first two weeks of his life. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> and I've made up for it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Especially a new baby getting him home and yeah. figuring everything out. Oh, that's, yeah. It was wild. Yeah. yeah. How did your wife do with that? She- right. Well, she loved it because she got the opportunity to really bond with him, right, mm-hmm. without anyone else taking that time. Um, so she really enjoyed it, but also like it, it was heart wrenching too, right? Because it's an adoption, right? Like we've been waiting for this for so long and we're excited. And, um, so to miss that first couple of weeks was a difficult thing, but it it helped knowing we were doing such great things in Fiji. Yeah. Yeah, So it sounds like, I mean, did you, so when you were at school, when you were in Cedar at, at SUU, did you, I mean, is this something you always thought about doing? Where did you get this? drive to or or who was your example like where did you you know find the passion for volunteerism yeah like many of us we have these mentors and these wise sages that come into our lives just at the right time and for me that person was Pam Brannon she was my communications professor and she was also the advisor for this service council as Mm -hmm. it was called at SU at the time and she said hey Mike like We had a service project as part of the course, right? It was built in and baked into the curriculum. And she said, I've noticed some really great qualities. Like, why don't you consider applying for the service council? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, why don't I, right? And so I applied, and and the rest is history in that 
the experience I had on the service council at Southern Utah University shaped my future career, my living, the way the lenses through which I see the world, mm-hmm. our communities, our state. And and so it was that that one moment, right, that a professor, a teacher took to notice something in me and suggest something that that really put my life on a trajectory that I otherwise probably wouldn't have. Yeah, and, and as you, you know, it's interesting. We've worked with um, the college campus on college campuses with their service organizations, and everybody kind of does it a little differently. Yeah. Um, but I was blown away. We visited SUU service um, office. I, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, the Community Engagement Center. There now. it is. Yep. There it is. And um, they, it was amazing. We were blown away by the programs that they were running. Yeah. Um, and and this idea of taking kids and doing service on these off breaks or these these downtimes that students have, um, I I just was blown away. Where did how did that start? And do you? I mean, I guess you were you came into it and it was going, but they've they've even grown since then. Yeah, I, at the time that I came into the service council, it uh, we were only in our second year. I think the trip that I took was the second year that SUU was doing that. Um, but alternative breaks was pretty new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I know that you had a great time at SUU and it's not, SUU is amazing, right? Yes. I'm a true T-bird, but, um, it's not unique to SUU, right? Like right. all of our campuses have these incredible programs and opportunities for college students to get involved. Um, but yeah, it started with a student initiative at SUU, um, and, the role that I filled in the service council was to lead a group of 30 other SEU students to Guaymas, Mexico, and serve at an orphanage and um, and at this after-school program and so many places that really opened up students' eyes to needs and that they could be like someone who helps fill those needs and then come home with that enthusiasm and passion and skills and put it to work locally mm-hmm. in doing good work in their local communities. Oh, I love that too, because, um, you know, sometimes we forget the needs that are here because, you know, you see things on the news and, you know, sometimes we we forget that, you know, there are needs right here. So I love that idea of, of kind of seeing needs out there and bringing that, those ideas home. Um, have you kept in contact with a lot of people that you, you've served with and, and maybe tell me some of the other places that you were able to visit during that time? Yeah, thanks for the question. I um, do stay in contact with them. In fact, I was recently asked to be part of the alumni mm-hmm. board, the alumni council at SU. So I'm so excited. Shout out to all my teachers out there um, to serve the school continuously in that role. Um, but some of the other places we went, um, the program at Utah Valley University started – um, on a trip to Fiji, we had a student from a Fijian island, um, Navua Levu, the northern island, that said, hey, there are so many incredible needs in my community. I've learned how I can make a difference, mm-hmm. right? I can identify needs and make a difference in my classes here at UVU, and I'd like to do that for my hometown. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we organize, right? And and so I talked to our director, and, and we were able to put together a trip where – Roughly 40 UVU students went back to this student's hometown to serve. Um, Other places, we've been all over Central and South America. We've been all over Africa, the African continent. Um, We did, right, some Polynesian islands um, all over the United States and Utah, some really, like, cool local projects Mm -hmm. as well during 
during breaks. And yeah, it's been, it, it was a really fun movement to be a part of. Mm, it's, I love it. I, you know, I just think it's such a powerful thing. And I love the fact that it was connected, especially, you know, that Fiji trip that connected to somebody seeing that they could locally help. I think sometimes we get a little caught up in, you know, we want to go there and, and bring something really quick and then get out. But I love the actual connection that that she or that student had exactly yeah every single day we had a reflection moment as we mm-hmm. called it right where we would kind of unpack the experiences that happened during the day um, how people were feeling and all of that and most importantly like you just said how can we bring that back home right like I know you and Governor Cox right now are championing this disagree better initiative right and that's something that I have seen in all of my volunteer work. That service and volunteerism plays such a unique role in helping people disagree better, right, and and connect on levels that other activities don't allow them the opportunity to. Yeah, I love that. I want to get into, you know, more of what you serve and the things you're doing now, and we'll do that when we come right back. Welcome back. We're here with Mike Moon on First Lady and Friends. He's the Associate Director of YouServe Utah. Um, okay, so you were at SU, you were at UVU, you've been at Weber State. What, where did you make the leap into sort of the nonprofit world from the higher ed world? Yeah, I'm really excited to, I, I was able to see the work on camp, the campus level, right? All of these trips were amazing, yeah. but also it took me away from my family quite a bit, yeah. right? And, and so I thought, gosh, it would be really nice to see things at the statewide perspective, right? And I had collaborated a lot with the state agency, USERV Utah, um, and former director, LaDon Stoddard, and I just reached out and said, hey, right? Like, do you have any upcoming opportunities? I'd love that opportunity. And fortunately, there was. And yeah, it's been really, really interesting to see the work of service and volunteerism from the statewide perspective, right? And uh, collaborate with all of the different institutions of higher ed, all of the nonprofits, public entities, and the volunteers they use. It's been it's been a really interesting journey. And to be able to overlay that with all of the experience that I had directly on the ground working with students in a volunteer role myself. So it's been it's been really great. So I I don't know if everyone knows what I mean, and we've had Ladon on the program before, but it's been a while. Yeah. Um, talk about what you serve is, because I think uh, there's so many. Um, you know, we have Just Serve, we have You Serve Utah, we have um, a lot of these service organizations that people maybe have heard or have worked with, but you know, not always familiar about what each you know, each entity or which each organization does specifically. So maybe let's go back and let's like review, Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the organization you serve and, and just talk a little bit about the, their programming and what they do. I love it. I, I think you're exactly right. I think they, that sometimes our state agencies are difficult to understand and right. What, what service exactly are they providing to me? So Perhaps I'll approach it this way and it will be the most digestible way to understand it. But USERV Utah is the state's central coordinating body for service and volunteerism. So when you go and volunteer at a nonprofit organization, USERV Utah has hopefully trained that organization how to effectively manage volunteers, how to make your experience as a volunteer at the agency as good as possible, right? So that you come back in the doors, you're retained as a volunteer. That's what we do. We provide support and training to 
the infrastructure of volunteering. In addition to that, if you've heard of AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps is um, a federal program where people can volunteer and then get a living stipend and then an education award at the end of their service. Um, In federal regulation, a state agency like ours has to exist to be the conduit, (laughs) the flow of those Mm -hmm. federal dollars for AmeriCorps. So we're a pass-through agency for all of those AmeriCorps members and dollars doing such amazing things, meeting critical needs in Utah's communities. Yeah, and and for those of you that, I mean, maybe a lot of you are familiar with uh, AmeriCorps. I I was a little bit familiar because being in the schools um, with PTA and, you know, just being in and around my kids' schools, it really was, you know, a part of our school. We were a Title I school in Fairview and uh, our elementary school and um, even in our my religious community, they were getting volunteers from the religious community to come in um, and be AmeriCorps volunteers to help be tutors and reading uh, specialists and people that are there to to help and, you know, just be there and help kids and, you know, be a, an extra support in the classroom for teachers. So I love that part of AmeriCorps. I know they do lots of other things, but that's what I'm familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's an incredible program. If any of you have young adults in, in your families or neighborhoods, right, friends, please encourage them to take a look at AmeriCorps. It can be a really great opportunity to have a gap year, right, or a mm-hmm. break and help you refocus your educational or professional pursuits in a way in which you're in service of the community. Yeah, and it's yeah. so interesting because, I mean, you've talked about being on campus and young adults and, and, and that and like – I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but the the connection now that we know between um, service and volunteerism and mental health and positive mental health, maybe talk a little bit what you've seen um, in your work with as it relates to that. Yeah, absolutely. Service and volunteerism can play such a critical role in our overall well-being as a person, right? Mental health, certainly the mind, your emotions. Actually, there are studies that indicate that your physical health, right? That you live longer regularly volunteering. Um, and, and the reasons for that is I, I, what I think and what I've seen, this is, this is how I describe it, is that so much of our lives are a mirror in front of our faces, right? We're constantly looking at ourselves, how to improve ourselves, how to improve our situation, how to improve our families and address needs and fires that come up in our families. But that mirror is constantly in front of us, right? Like, what am I going to be? How am I portrayed to others, et cetera, et cetera. What service does is replaces that mirror with a window, mm-hmm. right? Where you're able to see needs larger than your own, issues larger than you. You're able to connect with other people and understand them and and who they are, right? Like just like you and I are doing here, understanding each other and and backgrounds and the conversations we're having offline, right? And and um that's what volunteerism does, where you're connected for a common purpose and that becomes the way what ties you together, right? And so some of the other disagreements and and differences in opinion melt away in that moment. Yeah, you know that's totally been my experience. Um we've we've had just great experiences um you know when you when you get frustrated with the political process, when you get frustrated with you know your neighbor or your friend that you know has a completely different political point of view or 
point of you know opinion on anything it just seems like you're you're it's what you described is exactly my experience it those those differences do melt away those differences do become so small when you look at human to human interactions when you look at lifting each other's communities and i'm telling you we just we have to have this our our country is not going to survive if if we are not building communities and we build communities through volunteerism and serving each other i mean that's just how it works right <laughs> absolutely and i think like you've hit the nail on the head like we talk about things that are wrong and we build out these ideas on how to improve them and in my unbiased, of course, opinion <laughs> is that volunteerism solves many of them, right? And and so it, it's interesting because at USERV Utah, being the cent- state central coordinating body for service and volunteerism, we're constantly doing assessment on the public mm-hmm. to understand, right, the, the temperature around yeah. volunteerism and how we can meet gaps, what those gaps are. Um, the biggest gap that we're seeing right now is that people say they just don't have time to volunteer, mm-hmm. right? So what are ways if we recognize that volunteerism is a method to address a lot of these issues that we're seeing in our society? What are ways that we can bake service and volunteerism into activities that already exist, mm-hmm. right? We're doing things as a family. Are there ways in which as a family we can volunteer? In the classroom, if you're a teacher out there listening, right, are there ways as a teacher that you can bake volunteerism into your curriculum, into your mm-hmm. day-to-day? As you're a business owner and, and, and a business, a supervisor, are there ways that you can allow your employees time to use their skills, their business savvy, to benefit nonprofits addressing a critical issue, right? Like how can we build service into what's already existing to reduce that what we're hearing that people don't have time to volunteer. Yeah. And I guess that's exactly right. And I love your point about businesses. We've, we've been talking to businesses a lot about volunteering and give, and and we talk to businesses that give certain amount of that. That's been a big thing lately is that businesses give a certain amount of, you know, paid volunteer hours, you know, they're still, you know, their work hours, but they're, they're volunteering. They're able to go volunteer, I'm, of course, always encouraging them to go in the classrooms because I think it just builds up the community and makes makes our teachers' burdens lighter. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that idea that, that, that we can provide those opportunities. One other thing that we've seen, too, in Show Up is we hear a lot from people, and, and tell me if you hear the same thing, too, is we hear a lot of people that actually want to volunteer – um, you know, families and and individuals and young people like we want to volunteer. We just don't know where or how. And I think that, you know, that disconnect is something we we're trying to work on it. show up. But are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I think that is a disconnect. Right. But I think, too, we also have to, like, redefine the paradigm or the thought around volunteerism. Right. To us, we think service or volunteerism is like this event. Like we're going to go on this Saturday with our friends or group. and Giant we're gonna, project. A giant project, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to yeah. do two hours and then we're good, right? Like yep. we've helped and we're great. Whereas like volunteerism is so much more than that. Certainly all of our nonprofits are asking for like recurring volunteers, right? Mm-hmm. People that will dedicate a certain amount of time each week. But volunteerism is so much more than that. It's a way of life, mm-hmm. like, right? It's lenses through which you see the world. It's helping your neighbor. It's helping, right? Like it's doing so many other things that is outside of the traditional 
I'm going to go during these hours and do a large project. Right. I think also that kind of gets to other people, uh, organizations that think they need to put on a big project. I mean, I've had people reach out just even recently and said, you know, we've got this group of, you know, however many people, I was like 700 in our, in our company and we were looking for a project. And, you know, it was, you know, I'm sitting here racking my brain. And first of all, sometimes those projects are, I wouldn't say they're not, Sometimes they can be just to do a project and and you're not actually like finding the need first. It's like we need a project. What what should we do? And so I, I don't know. In my experience, sometimes those projects aren't as effective as those day to day things. So if I had 700 volunteers, you know, what would I do with them? So I'll ask you if you had seven volun- 700 volunteers, uh Right now, what would you what would you do with them? <laughs> right, there's not there's not a job right to effectively give that number of volunteers a really good high quality experience. So that's what we're trying to help companies and groups think about and reframe. I think for a lot of companies, the reason why they do that is because they want the volunteer opportunity for them to be like a team building exercise, mm-hmm. right, or to be something where they grow and bond and like, oh my gosh, I remember when we did that. Um, to reframe to say much more effective <laughs> and and much more beneficial to the nonprofit community and the needs that need to be addressed are just what you said, release time, paid time to go out and volunteer. And, and if you're looking for um, an opportunity where there's that camaraderie or team building, what are other ways that you can identify that through their service, right? Could everyone share photos from what they're doing and share and mm-hmm. team meetings that you have? Could they participate or pair share in what they did, right? Like, could you build that community mm. around some and a way of doing things that so much more benefits the sector, which is skills-based volunteering on their own time? Yeah, yeah. No, and I love that. And not to say that big projects aren't worthwhile because, I mean, I've done a whole bunch of them and sometimes it's really great to have, you know, a whole group of people that just come in and get something done really quickly um, we've, we've done this where we've done, you know, packets, we've, we've packed, you know, weekend bags. Those are always really great. And yep. that's, you can knock that out with a whole bunch of people on a weekend and pack however many in those, you know, so we've not to say that those aren't powerful and needed. Um, but yeah, just making it a way of life is, is really, um, critical and important. Um, you have we have something coming up, Utah Philanthropy Day. And um, I want to talk about that, but I want to do that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends. Welcome back. Uh, Mike Moon, the Associate Director of You Serve Utah. So happy to have you. It's just been a delight. Mike and I, like, we've been to, we do all these events <laughs> together. They're all joyful. So we just have this joyful world that we live in of service. And and, and we were talking off, off mic a little bit about you know the the dopamine hit that we get from outrage and hate and the, and the things people i have to say like this maybe a little we'll bring this back in from our off mic conversation but i truly believe that one of the most powerful needs that we have as human is belonging we need love and belonging and belonging is so powerful i believe that we'll either find it in love or we'll find it in hate and i think we see the powerful belonging in um, in really destructive groups on, you know, in social media, in, you know, 
talk radio or, or cable news, whatever, political tribes, all the things, you find that really powerful belonging that's a lot of times rooted in hate because you haven't found it in love. So I think volunteerism and service is the antidote to all that because it creates belonging in a really powerful way of love, connection, um, joy, and um, great dopamine hits. <laughs> if you can just get off that outrage dopamine and get on the service and volunteerism dopamine, I think we're all going to be in a better place. I totally agree. I think I think that that's one thing that volunteerism does, right? I read once, uh, it was in a book that I read that said, everyone wears this invisible sign around their necks that says, I need to feel important or I need to feel loved, right? And and I think too, when we're so angry at one another, it's it. It, to my understanding, it's really rooted in people not feeling heard or not. Mm-hmm. So the more that we hear people, right, understand them, and you're exactly right, volunteerism allows us that space to understand and to come together for a common cause. We're feeling good and, and really understand one another, and, and it can help. It can go a long way to, to reducing hate in our communities. Yep, yep. I love that. Um, speaking of that, you have a really we, – we here in Utah have a great opportunity um, and we have uh, just I – don't, I don't think people realize this because you know, myself and you, we both grew up here in Utah. So it's just been in our DNA. It's been you know, a part of our social fabric here in the state. Philanthropy is such a big deal. I, we didn't realize until you know, we talked to people in different states all over and different leaders in different states – who are just blown away by our philanthropic community here in Utah because businesses come in and, you know, if you've grown from the ground up here, it's baked into your business plan. Philanthropy is just baked in. I think companies coming here are now realizing, because we've had some amazing companies that have relocated here or, or expanded here, and they're looking around and thinking, wow, that I want to be a part of that and I see the the value in it and and if they don't see the value in it we'll show them the value in it <laughs> so we have just a really phenomenal philanthropic community here and I want to talk I want you to talk about Utah Philanthropy Day and what it is and why why we should know about it I love it. Yes. I listened to your past episodes and really enjoyed the episode with Sharon Eubank talking about the philanthropy that she's involved with, right? And things like that. It was really inspiring. But yes, Utah Philanthropy Day is an event in Utah. Um, it's longstanding, has been going on for many years that recognizes both really amazing volunteers and really amazing philanthropists because we know this work cannot be as effective without money, right? And without um, finances to do the work. Um, in the past, we've been able to recognize some really amazing companies doing this work, Campbell Company, Comcast, doTERRA, some foundations like the Collar Foundation, the Community Foundation of Utah, Five for the Fight, and so on. And, and this event is a really amazing way to be inspired to do more. When I attend every year, I am left in the audience thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so inspired. How can I do more? So there are several ways I think people can help. One is attending. Um, it is a fundraiser for You Serve Utah. 
Utah Nonprofits Association and the Utah Association for Philanthropic Giving um, and um, Utah AFP, Association of Fundraising Professionals. Um, let me get that right. And um, people can attend. Tickets are open. It's uh, utahphilanthropyday.org is the website. Um, we, they can also give um, our uh, companies and philanthropies. Um, there are sponsorships available for the event. Uh, so talk to me or, or anyone else on the committee, but you can find information on that at utahphilanthropyday.org. Um, and then you can also nominate volunteers. We are taking nominations right now for what is called the Heart and Hands Award. It's an award that recognizes individuals um, and groups of people for really outstanding volunteerism. And they're in this room with just incredible people, a fantastic lunch, and they just feel so honored to attend with the organization they serve. And it, it's just an inspiring, incredible event. Yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, Spencer's been a part of it for many years, too. He's attended, and it's, it's just such a great event and really a celebration of of that you know, social fabric that we that we talk about here in Utah, a celebration of the people doing the the work on the ground, the people that are um, using their businesses and their resources to to fund a lot of the 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 projects and the nonprofits throughout the state. I mean, Show Up wouldn't be able to do any of what we're doing without generous uh, people that are donating to to our organization. I mean, that's how we're able to do all the stuff we're doing. And the same thing for every nonprofit throughout the state. They have generous people that that make this stuff happen. Um, so it's it's really cool. Talk maybe a little bit, too, about some of the other things that you're doing as far as trainings that you're doing that that are, you know, for those of you that are interested, you know, businesses and things like that. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, fantastic. So um, really quickly on Utah Philanthropy Day, something that I think is so important is that Oftentimes, and, and it's critical to our conversations we have with one another, is that we're often so focused on us, right? Like yeah. our own opinion and things like that. I just mentioned that in the last segment. But we need to be focused on like the needs of other people. And, and for the nonprofits, we train them like you need to be thoughtful about what is in it for the volunteer, right? Like what are they getting out of it? What is the benefit to the volunteer? And often we're so focused on like what do we need as an organization, right? But if we can be outward focused in our conversations, outward focused in our recognition, outward focused in what we're doing, we'll find that so much more like it comes back to us in so many new and important ways. And I think that's one of the ways Utah philanthropy plays a role in Utah is recognizing and showing all of the amazing volunteers and philanthropists, thank you, right? Like, like, right? There is a benefit to you being part of um, our community. But also, yeah, we're doing some really amazing trainings at USERV Utah. We have a brand new training coming up that is called Leading for Impact. It is a training that will be taught to um, with businesses in Utah, helping them hone their impact, their corporate social responsibility, right? What do they want their employees to do, feel, hone in on their philanthropic giving? It's going to be a really incredible training. We're piloting it in January uh, with an, inv an invitee cohort, and then it will be offered annually after that. Uh, but it's going to be a really amazing training. Also, if you are a public entity or nonprofit, we do training called volunteer management training, which is a professional development training on how to most effectively use this incredible resource we have in Utah, 
which is volunteers. We are number one in the nation for volunteerism. How are we using that incredible resource to its maximum ability? So that's what that training's for. We also have another training as part of our training suite, which is called Volunteer Programming for Maximum Impact. <laughs> so like dramatic. It's very dramatic. <laughs> so like Silicon Slopes kind of right, thing. <laughs> right. Uh, and it um, helps organizations hone their systems and processes, procedures, policies to, to maximize use of volunteers. That's amazing. And I think, you know, we, we came into the, you know, nonprofit space very naive and, and really unprepared. Um, there's there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, organize. I, I have people come like, oh, I'd love to do, you know, get involved in your organization. I'm like, okay, let's think. You know, <laughs> so sometimes you know, an organization doesn't know how to effectively use volunteers, and we're one of them. You know, we're trying to figure that out. So I love that training. Um, what maybe what other advice would you give people that are just new to this space and are, are trying to figure this out together? Yeah, yeah. The trainings are fantastic. We encourage you to come um, chat with our team members. We'd be happy to help and talk to you. Utah Nonprofits Association has some really fantastic resources as well. But for the general public listening to this, I, um, First Lady Cox, in your last podcast, you and Governor Cox um, left the episode with this, I thought, was just so inspiring. And I related with it so much where you said youth right now are seeing parents disagree, right? And and they're taking that temperature with them throughout their day and and perhaps as they grow up and mature. And and I think it's so important as well for families to be thinking about volunteerism mm-hmm. because in just the same way that they're looking perhaps at how we're disagreeing with one another, youth could be looking at how we're volunteering, how mm-hmm. we're contributing to the community. And research empirically shows that the earlier that someone volunteers, the much more likely they are to continue volunteering for the rest of their life. We want that, right? So families be thoughtful about how can I engage? How can I connect with issues that are important to me and my family and volunteer as a family uh, with your children? That is really great advice and really powerful. And I I do have to say we've – Spencer maybe alluded to this too a little bit that volunteerism actually – you know, the mental health um, aspect of it is is huge. And we all know that, you know, a lot of our youth and our and our adults, I mean, a lot of us are struggling with mental health issues. And um, one of some of the research is showing that actually volunteerism is equally effective as medication for anxiety and depression. And that's one study out of UCLA. Um, so as we see that and we think about that with our kids – Including Spencer actually asked the researcher um, and author, "What do you? It, what about if it's compulsory? Mm-hmm. Um, meaning, you know, like I'm a mom and I make, you know, if I make my kids come with me because I've done it, <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know, and you have kids that are like, I don't want to, I've got homework, <laughs> I don't want, you know, all the things, and I'm busy, and I da da da, and you know, they actually said it's actually the same, yeah. so." For the parents out there that are thinking, you know what, sometimes it's because I've done this, it's easier, you know, it's just like it's easier to wash the dishes than make them. <laughs> it's also easier just to go volunteer and not have them come with you because, you know, it's just not worth the fight or it's not, you know, whatever. Knowing that, just just know that, um, you know, there's a lot of times when my kids, 
I've made them come and uh, universally they leave happier, healthier, um, having better connections. Um, you know, we've, I've talked about it before, but we, we do some stuff with refugees. We've done some, uh, like our family tradition is to do a Thanksgiving dinner with refugees and my kids, it's become, you know, I don't think it was the first time I suggested it, but it's become their favorite thing of the year. They absolutely love it. We spend time, you know, the governor's office doing stuff, um, serving a Thanksgiving dinner to our friends who are homeless. And I'm telling you, like the kids come in there and they're nervous and it it's uncomfortable sometimes when you're interacting with populations and people and humans that – that are struggling and that, you know, maybe don't, they have a very different story than you do. And it's, it's kind of intimidating in a lot of ways. And like, am I doing good? Is this going to be awkward? And then all of a sudden when we get going and they have human to human connections and, you know, folks coming and telling their story about their, how they struggled to escape whatever country they were escaping from what you know political strife or or wars or whatever that looks like um all of a sudden those kids are feeling really good about their own lives but also about how important it is like you said to allow somebody else to be seen so i just love that yeah i completely agree with you i think that as we have these initiatives that are having children separate themselves from social media, we need to fill their time with something. And there is not a better activity than filling that social media time with volunteerism, getting out into the community. You're exactly right. I do, for parents out there, there is the right way to do it, right? There's a difference between perceived need and real need, communicated need, right? And so sometimes it's easy to look at the populations you're describing and say, oh my goodness, if they only had this or that, and right? And go in and try and fill those needs. And it's super important to go through um, nonprofits and organizations that have vetted those needs and 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 do it the right way in that way. But um, absolutely, it'd be a great activity for families. Yep, I love that. Well, Mike, it's just been absolutely wonderful to to have you and to talk about this stuff. We're both passionate about this, and so <laughs> please reach out and we'll give that information um, um, how to how to uh, make sure that we are getting those volunteers, getting the training, and also you know to nominate those for those awards. So we'll, we'll give that information. So thank you, Mike, for being here. Happy to be here. Thank you. To find more information, you can go to youserve.utah.gov. Also, if you want to nominate somebody for the Heart and Hand Award, go to utahphilanthropyday.org. Thanks for being a friend.